the comment that's made there by Caleb. So the instructions were to enter the promised land, but the people chose not to. But mm-hmm. Caleb and Joshua, the two of the ten, two, two faithful spies, as opposed to the ten unfaithful spies, the ten unfaithful spies said, it doesn't matter if God is with us, we can't defeat these right. Canaanites because we are like grasshoppers. They're just going to squash us. Um, Caleb and Joshua said, well, if God said he's going to give it to us, then in one way or another, he will give us the victory. And then Caleb says this amazing thing. He says, these people, these Canaanites, they are bread to us. You think about what bread does, like give us this day our daily bread. It is sustenance. It gives you strength and it gives you health. Yeah. In order for us to be healthy, we need to be engaged in the battle. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra, where we dive a little deeper into the topic of this week's sermon. My name is Pastor Jason. This is Pastor Nick. And if you like what you hear, uh, like and... No, 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 no. Oh, that was super good. That was our best intro yet. Oh, really? Okay. I thought I missed something. Let's just keep it going. Okay. What should they do? Hey, like and subscribe. Listen on your favorite podcast app as well. Yeah. We, we're keeping going? We're going. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. Hey, anyway, we have been uh, talking about it in our sermon. We've been doing a sermon series on 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. Well, I mean, it's it, this was just one sermon in a series through 2 Corinthians. In, yeah, and the series was entitled Strength in Weakness. And so uh, this week, Pastor Nick preached on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, entitled The Real Battle, and we were talking about spiritual warfare. And that's exactly probably what I was experiencing at the beginning of this, this uh, you know, little talk here. Spiritual warfare just, you know, messed me all up. But uh, anyway, it brings up a lot of great questions that we should be talking about. But before that, if you like what you hear, if you like the topic, make sure you like and subscribe, uh, and also you can find we already told him to do that jason we can find they already did it we can find uh us on your favorite podcast app. podcast app that's where you, find you talk us. about that you can find us on spotify we're on apple podcasts we are on google podcasts basically all the podcast stuff we're there you got to be trying not to find us. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. And also, if you hear uh, some noise, we are doing a little construction around us. So don't mind uh, the the noise that you what may hear. What are you hear drinking here, Jason? Around us. That's, that's a little uh, uh, nitro cold brew yeah. is what you got there. You betcha. Kind of nice. I'm a hot chocolate man myself. But, you don't uh, get a nitro cold hot chocolate. No, it's it's more, just, it's just, just nitro chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Yeah, oh, with nitro. But uh, amazing, it's, it's incredible. It's Is incredible. It on tap? So no, no, it's on microwave. Oh, but. Uh, <laughs> You got to heat it up and then cool it down. It's disappointing is what it is. But uh, the uh, questions that come out of a topic of spiritual warfare are vast and many. We've heard so many uh, topics that, you know, uh, or questions that we could have been talking about. But we narrowed down a few. And one of the uh, questions that I, I received here was, how can you take every thought captive with, you know, basically spiritual warfare constantly at you mm-hmm. how can that happen with the enemy trying to get you all the time yeah that's a great question and one of the things that we address on sunday was the idea that if we look at the various passages in the bible that talk about spiritual warfare one of the things we see is that one of the primary battlegrounds in which spiritual warfare takes place is the battleground of our minds 
<clears throat> which is why, for example, Jesus says that Satan, one of his biggest tools is that he's a liar and what he does is he lies. And we see that all the way back in the book of Genesis with the original lies through which Satan tempted uh, Adam and Eve. We see it when Satan is tempting Jesus. He's twisting the word of God. He is lying to Jesus, promising him things which he can't deliver on and um, and that are, are you know, leading him astray. And he tries to do it by tempting him with lies, right? It's the power of suggestion. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that we can take every thought captive for Christ is a, a great example. Is like in Matthew chapter four, uh, where we see um, Jesus being tempted. And as he's being tempted, he responds by speaking back the word of God and basically relying on it. And it reminds me of what David says in Psalm 119, where he says, Lord, I've hidden your word in your heart that I might not sin against you. And so the idea there is that one of the reasons why we study God's word is so we can know it and so that we can rely on it in those times of temptation and trouble. And when we are uh, faltering, we can say, okay, I know God's word is true. And I know that he will give me the strength to do what he's calling me to do. So I'm going to stand upon his word. So one of the ways, get God's word into your heart, into your mind. This is why we study it, not just when we need a verse to speak to our present situation, but we're reading it all the time because it's like putting stuff in the warehouse. We don't know when we'll need it but we're putting it in storage mm -hmm. so that when in that appropriate moment, we'll be able to pull it off the shelf and use it and it'll be there. Yeah. I think that's really hugely important to have that habit built up so that when the time comes, you have that ready. It's really difficult, you know, when the time comes and you have nothing prepared, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, much more difficult to draw on nothing than it is to draw on a catalog of verses and passages that you've studied. But I also think it's really important. That's what the, is, is fellowship, mm. encouraging each other to be in the word, encouraging each other to memorize scripture, encouraging each other to, you know, when we, you, we often talk about passages and mm -hmm. chew them over. And, you know, when you uh, discuss a passage with somebody and um, it really it helps me remember it and digest it. Yeah. And I would say that fellowship part is true, not just in regard to like you encouraging me to read the Bible, mm, yeah. but rather I also need that fellowship aspect because if, if I'm thinking in a way that is not in accordance with God's word and that's being expressed like in my words or my actions, I need people in my life. And I've had that so many times, right? Somebody in my life who says, well, actually, you know, the way you're thinking right now or the basis of your actions right now is faulty. It's not according to God's word. Mm -hmm. God's word would say this and you're doing or believing that. And that, those are our blind spots, right? And the thing about blind spots is, number one, you can't see them. You're blind to them. So if I were to ask you, hey, Jason, what are your blind spots? <laughs> you're, you don't know. I don't know. And I don't know what mine are. That's why I need somebody else who can say, hey, I think that you're not seeing this thing clearly. We need that in our lives. Um, yeah, so the other thing about blind spots, though, is that they're the most dangerous thing. That's what's, mm -hmm. so, what's, what's so scary, right? Is that we have these things in our lives which we can't see, and yet they're the things which are most dangerous to us and have the greatest potential for harm uh, in our lives. Yeah. That means that we need fellowship. I, I always tell a story when I was, um, you know, first moved out of my own, I was living in Hungary, 
I live with this other guy. We had this apartment and we got this apartment that didn't have a mirror in the bathroom. In fact, it had no mirrors anywhere in the house. Um, they don't come always built in. Sometimes people take their mirror with them when they leave apparently. So, um, so for like, I don't know, weeks, we didn't have any mirror. And so what we used to do is we just like, you know, I had more hair then. Uh, and I used to like, you know, try and do I don't my know what hair. You're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I used to try and do my hair, like what felt good, and then I'd like go to my roommate and be like, "Okay, how do I look?" <laughs> and then he would be like, "Oh well, this doesn't look good." He'd fix me. I had things on my face and wipe me off, and then we'd do the same. How do I look? Right? Like, uh, and I think that's a, that we kind of need that in like a spiritual way as well, right? When you mm-hmm. have somebody who we trust. Who, who knows us best and loves us most and is willing to say the things that we need to hear, but ne- maybe uh, wouldn't, you know, want to hear perhaps, or maybe we wouldn't come to those conclusions on our own. We need those kinds of people in our lives. That's not going to be everybody, but it should be somebody yeah. in your life that you can have that kind of fellowship with who will tell you because they love you, hey, you have a booger on your face or, hey, you, uh, <laughs> you know, you, um, your hair looks awful today. Yeah. Yeah. We all need those people in our lives. We need at least one. Hopefully I mean, we have more. In a spiritual sense. In a spiritual sense. Right, right, yeah. We need that person. Yeah, like what you're doing, what you're believing. Yeah. This is this isn't good. It's not good for you. It's not good for others. Um are you trusting the Lord? Are you doing what God's word says in these areas? Um that's one way that we could take every thought captive to Christ, but we have to be willing to receive it too. Sometimes right. though you get bad advice on that. So you need to have that spiritual discernment too. Mm-hmm. And again, that circles us back to knowing the word of God is going to be really helpful. Yeah. I think that's really important. Uh, you know, great advice, knowing the word of God, having friends that can help uh, feed that, that can help, you know, give you different uh, opinions that you may not uh, notice, or you may not even see blind spots, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, Another great question that feeds off of that is, you know, if Jesus has defeated the powers uh, that be, you know, for example, uh, Satan and his minions, uh, which he has, how is it there's still an issue? How are they, how is it that they're still roaming around Mm -hmm. when they've been defeated? Why does God allow them to roam around? It's interesting. We've been doing this eschatology class on Tuesday nights. I know you and your whole community group have been Mm -hmm. attending, which is really cool. Um, Yeah. So one of the things we've talked about in there is this idea of what we call inaugurated eschatology, which is governed by this principle, which we call the already but not yet principle, which means that the kingdom has come already in part, and yet it hasn't come yet fully in fullness, right? And so another aspect of that is like Satan is defeated already, but not yet, right? Because Jesus has dealt the death blow to Satan. And yet we read in the book of Revelation, there's coming a time when Satan will be cast into the lake of fire, right? So already he's defeated, but not yet. And again, this, this is really helpful paradigm or, you know, framework for thinking about and making sense of the continuing existence of evil in the world, because Mm -hmm. certainly evil still does exist in the world. So how does that work? Um, I, I think on the, so what that already, but not yet paradigm helps us understand is that both extremes are false, right? So there's one extreme, which would say that Satan is unbound. He just does whatever he wants and he's got lots of power. Yeah. 
Um, the other side of that would be to negate the fact that Satan's at work at all, right? Like if we deny that, we're also going to an unbiblical and unhealthy extreme. Mm -hmm. So the answer is in the middle, which is what the already but not yet thing helps us understand. Right. Um, okay, so let's let's take the one side. If Satan is, um, you know, some people, I, I've heard people talk about this, like they they give Satan more credit than he deserves, right? Like he... They think that he's omniscient, that he's om uh, omnipresent, whatever. They, they think that he knows all the stuff and he can do anything he wants, omnipotent even, right? So I've often heard people talk, and I don't, I don't think they necessarily believe this in theory, but I've heard them talk as if, you know, spiritual warfare is kind of this tug of war going on between God and the devil. Right. And God's kind of going to lose unless you you know, hop on that, his side of the mm -hmm. rope and start pulling with all your might. Uh, God might lose, uh, because you know, he's, he's struggling or something. And, uh, the, we would say, nope, that can't be true because for example, it says in Colossians two verse 15, he, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities, his spiritual forces, like it says in the Ephesians six, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Okay, open shame. This is referring, this idea of triumph and open shame is speaking about what a Roman army would do when they, let's say they fought a battle on the edges of the, their empire. They would defeat some people and then they would bring them to Rome and put them in this triumph parade, they would put them to open shame, which means that oftentimes they'd be stripped down. People would be throwing stuff at them, uh, you know, jeering at them and they would be humiliated. The ultimate humiliation wasn't to be killed. This is what's interesting. The ultimate humiliation was to be dragged through the streets of Rome and then brought into slavery. Right. And right. that's a fate worse than death, if mm -hmm. you will. And so, what it's saying there is that Jesus has done this to Satan, which is a really very, very interesting um, illustration, because what it means is he hasn't destroyed him in the sense of killing him. Now, we know that will happen, right? Be cast right. into the lake of fire. But instead, what he's done, he's held him captive and now triumphantly, basically, yeah, puts him to open public shame. One of the ways he does that, I guess you could think of it almost like this, like a dog on a chain, right? So the dog has some ability. It can bite you. Um, it can bark at you. And yet it's limited in where it can go and what it can do by mm -hmm. the chain. Well, in the same way, it would seem that there are realms in which Satan is given some uh, allowance to do work. And yet that is only by God's permission. And right. ultimately... We're told like in Romans 8, 28, you know, that he's causing all things to work together for good or like Genesis 50, where it says what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Um, we see that the humiliation, the open shame is that the things which the devil intends for evil, God is able to redeem and use for good. And that think about how incredibly frustrating that would be if every single thing you did got flipped around and used for the exact opposite purpose, the purpose of your enemy. And right. essentially that is what it is telling us there uh, is what God is doing. So um, that's why it's so important to remember that he who is in us, meaning Christ in us, mm -hmm. is greater than he who is in the world, meaning the prince of the power of the air, which is Satan. Right. So um, that already but not yet principle, very helpful here.
inaugurated eschatology, mm-hmm. meaning that it has begun, but it has not yet completed. That's, that's very important for helping us understand how this works. Yeah, I love that idea. Uh, one way I, it helps me in my mind is I think of um, the, when Israel was taking over the Holy Land in um, the book of Judges, it talks about, you know, well, there's a lot of reasons. There's few reasons why the enemy was left in, in the Holy Land. But one of the reasons in, jo- in uh, Judges uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it talks about how uh, they were left there, uh, the enemy was left there to strengthen Israel and to strengthen their army and mm. to make them a fighting force. Yeah. And so I often look at that, you know, in the reason why Satan is in the world now is to strengthen us and to push us closer to Christ and push us closer to God and strengthen our faith and allow us to rely on him. Mm. And I look at a nation that uh, is living in the lap of luxury and has no adversity uh, really makes a weak nation. Yes. And a, a church that has no adversity is is left, it's the weak church, you know. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And you know what? There's. I love this other verse. It's in Numbers 14 where um, it's talking about, you know, God had given them some instructions and they didn't do it, right? Yeah, but that's right. The, uh, and the comment that's made there by Caleb. So the instructions were to enter the promised land, but the people chose not to. But mm-hmm. Caleb and Joshua, the two of the ten, two, two faithful spies, as opposed to the 10 unfaithful spies, the 10 unfaithful spies said, it doesn't matter if God is with us, we can't defeat these right. Canaanites because we are like grasshoppers. They're just going to squash us. Um, Caleb and Joshua said, well, if God said he's going to give it to us, then in one way or another, he will give us the victory. And then Caleb says this amazing thing. He says, these people, these Canaanites, they are bread to us. And think about what bread does. Like, give us this day our daily bread. It is sustenance. It gives you strength and it gives you health. Yeah. In order for us to be healthy, we need to be engaged in the battle. That's right. If we're not engaged in the battle, we're going to get weak. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's so many different reasons why um, that God has has left the enemy on earth. But we have to remember that, hey, he's on a chain. Mm-hmm. There's only so much that he can do. But what the little bit that he can do is there to strengthen us and to push us and to make us closer to Christ, bring us closer to Christ and make us uh, make our faith stronger. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, some really good answers. So thank you for joining us this week. Remember, like and subscribe for the third time since we've already talked about that. <laughs> what about podcast? Podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Are there yeah any we, of those? Talk, we should talk about that. Podcast. Uh, you know, find us on your favorite podcast app. Apparently, you can't miss us. We're yeah. everywhere. So what about a website? Do we have one of those? Oh, we do. Whitefieldschurch.com. Join us there. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you we'll next, see you next time, week. Right. <laughs>